I wasn't sure I'd ever uh, step out and do my own thing. It took this place to do it. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink-ass program. I don't know if I could follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. We're going to recruit our footprint, and we're going to work our tails off to bring those Virginia kids to Blacksburg. Those situations are the worst when you are on top yeah. of another guy. The relationships are very important to me. That's what this place is built on. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, it's, it's my fondest name. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with Wes Worsham and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave. For the love of the game. And I mow the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. Welcome to 2D Pokies Under the Influence, brought to you by Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer. My name is Pete Berthaud, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Robbie, we got football this weekend. The ODU game is on Friday night, 7 p.m. I am jacked up. Why don't you give us a cheers? Uh, I'm going to do this cheers for the first game of the season to frenemies. So frenemies, <laughs> because our our coach Brent Pry is going up against a former colleague uh, that used to be on the opposite side of the ball at him, um, Ricky Ronnie. That when he was at Penn State, Ricky Ronnie was the offensive coordinator at um, Penn State as well. So frenemies or somebody that you have that you kind of keep close you you're good with until you have to go out and try and kick their ass on you know the football field or at work or in a sporting match or you know playing golf whatever the case may be so that is what the cheers is for for this week i love it cheers and it's so funny you say that because i just saw that we added a new staffer to the virginia tech football staff like an hour ago, his name was Jojo Heaton. And I don't know if that name sounds familiar to you, but he was on ODU last year <laughs> as the safety. And now he's really? a staffer for Virginia Tech. Yes. Oh, I they, love this. This just came out. Like We're recording this on Wednesday night right after our season preview. But I just saw – he tweeted it out. It's a picture of him and a VT polo saying, I'm working for VT now. And it's like – we're playing your school in like dude i love it eight days now this is the kind of cutthroat stuff i want to see virginia tech doing that is beautiful that is yeah isn't that great even if the even if the guy doesn't even comment on anything just like the mental side of that like just totally in the headspace of the odu program like yeah we just hired one of your guys that was on your team like that would definitely mess with you crazy yeah he he's one of these kids that ODU missed the 2020 season. They didn't play. But he has been there since 2017, just like Jordan Young, the all-time leading tackler for ODU that's now gone. But he was one of the holdovers, and he played his last year, 2021, JoJo Heaton, and now he's on Virginia Tech staff. Um, ODU was 6-7 and seven last year, 5-3 and three in Conference USA. You mentioned their coach by Ricky Ronnie, former PSU guy. And they're a member of the newly redesigned Sunbelt. They're in the Sunbelt East. Uh, but that Conference 1 is awesome now. It's, it's a much bigger conference. And that East Division has App State, Coastal, Marshall, 
JMU and the two GSUs, Georgia State and Georgia Southern, it's competitive as shit. Yes. Like that is a really tough conference, yeah. and a tough division in particular. Yeah, that that is a bunch of schools that are going to make um, some bowl games an absolute nightmare for people. I mean, that is you're talking about JMU, who's won the national championship like two or three times. Coastal Carolina has been amazing, you know, really, really well over the last like few years. I mean, that's, that's an awesome. And then app state has been, you know, dominated up there as well. So basically all you're missing there is like Montana and North Dakota state. And then you've basically rounded out like, you know, all the dominant um, kind of lower mid-level teams. And you mentioned about bowl games, but like if you're in that Sunbelt East, you got to be careful about playing too many big boys out of conference because you might not go bowling if if you play, if you don't win some out of conference because there's so many tough games in your division. Yep. So last year for ODU, I said they went six and seven, but you got to go a little bit deeper and it gets interesting. They started out one and six. Their only win was over Hampton, and then they won their last five games of the regular season to go six and seven. Uh, they obviously lost the bowl game, but they had a great run at the end of the year. They scored 36 points per game over those five games. But all of the teams they played were 90 and below <laughs> or above in the SP+. They were 90 or worse. Like, they were bad teams. The schedule in general was so bad. They played FIU late. They were 1-11. Yep. Like, they, it, was, it was an absolute joke. 109th strength of schedule, according to ESPN, for ODU last year. And they still didn't have a winning record. Yeah. So it, it wasn't a very good team. A lot of youth. Uh, if you look at their preseason ranking, they're number 97, according to Athlon, 93 in SP+, and 112th in FPI. So wow. the FPI doesn't like us, but it also really doesn't like ODU. <laughs> it does not. And then they finished off, I don't know if you may have mentioned it, they finished off by losing that bowl game to Tulsa. I mean, just to culminate and everything. So I the schedule and the stats and just ripping through like what they did doesn't tell the whole story whatsoever in terms of this this program what they did last year. I will say and we'll get to this in a second, the quarterback change did have a part of the impact I think um, for those guys, you know, about midway through the season who is their starter for this year, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. The SP plus says their offense is going to be better than their defense. But last year, the defense was significantly better than the offense. And I, I mentioned Jordan Young, yep. JoJo Heaton, guys that they don't have anymore. Working in our favor, if you think their offense is going to be better, well, their offensive coordinator resigned like two weeks ago. It was a little unclear why, but I think it was due to some inappropriate comments. Um, that is uh, what the speculation <laughs> is, yeah. So, yes. um, But it was very, very abrupt. Like Everybody was like, yeah, he's, yeah. he's gone. So, And they just announced, I think, a couple of days ago, their new, I think everybody knew, but the new offensive coordinator, I guess, is Kevin um, Rayner. Uh, is his Rainer, name? Yeah. yeah. Is the offensive coordinator. Which he's been getting a lot of love. And it's what I find funny about that is that, like, he wasn't the guy until he had to be. Mm-hmm. So, like, is the love, if he was getting so much love, why wasn't he already the guy? But yeah. that's, I'm that's the guy the behind point. the guy, as, as they say. In, <laughs> I want to be the man behind the yeah. man. <laughs> uh, I will say just right off the bat, I don't think this is like the hundredth worst team in the country. Yeah. Like 97, 93, 112 average amount. 
I don't think they're that bad. Yeah. Like I actually think they're probably 15 to 20 spots better than that. They're bringing back almost their entire offense. Yep. Yeah, I think it's they have 17 starters back and something like I think 10 or maybe or, or seven are on defense or maybe 10 on offense, something along those lines. Yep. Yeah, I think it's 10 on offense. The only guy they're missing is an offensive line. Yes. But Hayden Wolf at QB is back. He he was not great last year, but his best game came later in the season. He had a 68 QBR against uh, Mississippi, uh, not Mississippi, Middle Tennessee State. He's not a runner, which I was happy to see. I, I know that this is a whole new staff and whatever, but it's always good when you see a guy has a hunt as a negative 102 rushing yards in his career. And then, I, and then he put on see. 20 pounds, I think, in the offseason. So if he wasn't a running threat before, he probably is not going to be a running threat at, at this point. Typically, you're not throwing on that kind of weight and then just to uh, to try and start rushing the ball. He's not a terrible QB. And he like you kind of indicated, like he got better mm-hmm. as the season wore on. 63% completion. That's not bad at all. Uh, 7.6 yards per attempt, not bad. 10 TDs, 7 INTs, so his ratio is similar to Grant Wells last year. Uh, not many sacks and 134 ratings, so a little bit lower on the rating than Wells, but not much. Yep. I don't think he's good. His QBR over the season was way worse than Wells, yep. and if you just kind of look at some of the numbers in the games, like – He's not nearly the talent that Grant Wells is, in my opinion. I, yeah, I agree with that. And the only thing that could be a little bit of a rub here, and I've heard no and read no indication that they're going to do this, but they do have um, DJ Mack, uh, who stepped in a little bit to run the ball, um, and he added a little bit of a rushing um, attack for them. That's just a, Yeah, I could see them. Yeah, just because... Especially in a game like this, it's a home game. You really don't have much to lose. And if you're just trying to scheme up something to to, to throw off Virginia Tech and the defense, then maybe you do that. So that's something to keep your eye out. Especially if Hayden was to get off to a bad start, right? Or we, we start hitting him with a few sacks and he's struggling, then I could see a guy who runs the ball a little bit more coming in. So that's, that's something good. And that's something we should have prepared for when we did our podcast in 2018. We didn't know we were going to see Blake LaRussa. Uh, you know, the priest that he is now, but yes, he, that's right. he tore us a new one. And that's, that's something that we'll never forget. There is a Blake on this team. Oh, okay. His name is Blake Watson. and He's the running back mm-hmm. over a thousand yards last year. He's not a big guy, just five, nine, one ninety five, but he had 215 attempts. So they ran him and they ran him a lot. That was 28th nationally in attempts. That's around 20 a game. Mm-hmm. And he averaged over five yards a carry on those attempts. So he's a very good back. Yeah, I mean, he almost had 1,200 yards rushing, I think. He had eight touchdowns. Um, and then they have Elijah Davis um, that's a little bit of a bigger back for them. I think he had six touchdowns last year. Uh, both of them were, like, right around five yards um, a carry. So, um, you know, some of the commentary I heard from, you know, the, the, the newspapers or whatever, everything online covers the – the monarchs was people were not very happy with the the rushing attack in general last year so they're hoping there'll be more of a focus on that the stats seem to speak otherwise uh, uh the, from what i saw so the commentary really didn't marry up for me i think there might have been more in the games that i wasn't seeing in the stat lines than that because they were like yeah the 
the passing attack showed up and I'm looking at the stats and I'm like, well, the rushing attack looks pretty solid. I mean, if you're getting five yards a pop and, you know, almost 1200 yards out of your leading, you know, rusher, that's, you know, it's pretty decent. I can't agree more with you because there are so many confounding things about this team. When you look at their stats, when you look at their rankings, when you look at their projections, like things don't marry up. Like they've got all these playmakers because like, they, they got Ali Jennings, mm-hmm. thousand yard receiver on their team. They got Zach Koontz who caught 73 receptions as a tight end last year. Yep. And there's some other receivers, some other <laughs> guys that can play on this team. It, it's weird that the offense was so bad. Mm-hmm. Like it, the stats just don't make sense. And I think, I think some of it comes down to the fact that Conference USA was just awful. <laughs> That's why we're seeing <laughs> these guys with good stats, but the projections being so poor. Um, overall, they run Watson quite a bit. At least that's what I am gleaning. Mm-hmm. And they have the makeup on offense. When you look at the big backs, the big wide receivers, like that's the team we lost to in 2018. Mm-hmm. Travis Fulgham, the two backs, O'Shane Jimenez. Like these these guys that were like, wow, those guys could play for Tech, but they're playing for ODU and they're kicking our ass. Like there are guys on this team that are going to look like that. Yeah. I'm- but I don't think this team – is nearly as good as that 2018 team. (laughs) That 2018 team wasn't even good, but like prior to that season, when I was doing this review of them, you could see it. And like, there is potential here on this ODU team to score the upset, but I don't think that would happen in a game one. Yeah. I think it's one of those games where you can kind of check numbers. And, you know, when people are out on the fields, you know, whether it's double coverage on, somebody like Allie Jennings or you do something with put somebody big on or that has good coverage ability on Koontz. And I think you can stress this offense um, by paying attention to some of the, some of the, you know, star guys on the team. Cause I just don't know that they're deep enough to, to cause havoc in, in multiple ways. Um, yeah. I'm with you on that one. Let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor, downtown crown wine and beer and dominion wine and beer. These are the two best beer stores in the DMV. Downtown Crown is located in the Downtown Crown Shopping Center in Gaithersburg, Maryland, right where 270 and 370 meet. And Dominion Wine and Beer is located on West Main Street, right in the heart of Falls Church. So if you need six packs, you need wine, or you just want to stop in someplace and have a nice tap beer at a bar, you can do that at Downtown Crown and you can do that at Dominion. Arash has cultivated a great environment Uh, in either location to do that you can go and watch a game in dominion you can stop and have a nice bite of food they have a great menu and he really does a good job of getting awesome local beers both on tap and on the shelves so we could not recommend these two places more make sure to check out downtown crown wine and beer and dominion wine and beer for all of your wine and beer needs this football season well since robbie and i recorded last week uh, I do have an update for you guys. I'm not going to be having a beer tonight, but the Two Deep came out. The official depth chart from the team came out today, and there were some answers that we were looking for at the three positions where there was still competition. Uh, at left guard, Jesse Hansen is going to start the ODU game, or at least that's what it looks like at this moment. He beat out Braylon Moore there. Uh, elsewhere on the offense, there was a surprise. Steven Gosnell came in at the starting position at one of the outside wide receiver spots. That is the transfer 
from UNC. He's Benji's brother, but he's your starting outside wide receiver on one end. And behind him is a name that not too many people are familiar familiar with. It's William Kakavitsis. And I believe that's because he was not on scholarship prior. He may be now, but Kakavitsis is now the backup at both of the outside wide receiver spots behind Caleb Smith and behind Steven Gosnell. At the slot receiver, we have uh, Dewan Lofton and Jaden Blue. A little surprised that Jaden wasn't one of the starters on the outside or backup, but I guess maybe they feel more comfortable with him at slot. But that's how the wide receiver position shook out. I don't think there's any other surprises on offense. And then if you go to defense, I thought at defensive end it was interesting. There was no C.J. McCray on the depth chart, but I think that is because he's a little banged up at the moment. It's Tywan Garbett and Jalen Griffin as your starters, although at the one end there is an or between Griffin and Cole Nelson. And then Jordan McDonald is listed behind Tywan Garbett on the one end. And then at the third spot we had Moyston and Burgos on the two defensive ends. At defensive tackle, it looked like Wilfred Penne did lock down that backup defensive tackle spot behind Norrell Pollard. Fuga is backing up Kendricks at the other spot. At Will Linebacker, it's going to be Jaden Keller. He has the or designation with Jaden McDonald and Alan Tisdale. So Tisdale is technically listed third, but I think that's because Tisdale is a little banged up at the moment. But it's Keller, McDonald, and Tisdale at the Will Linebacker spot. Looks like Keller is going to get that start, and that is exciting. And the last um, opening that we were a little curious about was the boundary corner spot, and that's going to be Armani Chapman beat out Brown Murray, although there is an or designation there as well, so it must be pretty close. Kakavitsas, it should be noted, is also right behind DJ Harvey at punt returner. He is our backup punt returner. And according to Fontel Mines and some of the other players, Kakavitsas really can catch the ball well, and he's earned his spot on this team in the two-deep and I would hope at this point that he is on scholarship based on based on his presence on this sheet. But that is going to do it for the update for now. Enjoy the rest of the preview. Let's move to their defense. That was the better side of the ball for them last year. They were 43rd in yards per play. They played a lot of freshmen, though, which is kind of funny. Like To, to have that much success with playing a lot of young guys, 13 of their top 30 tacklers were freshmen. Yep. Now, I know with COVID – the freshman designation is kind of tossed around a little bit more, but that's still impressive. Almost half of their top 30 tacklers were freshmen. I still would say that they only have one really good player, and that's Ratarion Johnson, the safety. He had 91 total tackles last year, a couple picks, three and a half tackles for loss, a bunch of pass breakups. The rest of the defense, you don't know what you're going to get. The DL is bringing back some good production. Maybe they could surprise if the youth grows up. They're good against the run, only three and a half yards per carry against the run uh, last year for them. And their linebackers, despite losing Jordan Young, they're they're solid. Like, they seem solid. They've got some older gentlemen playing those positions. So I just couldn't figure out, like, what this defense was all about based on the stats, based on what I read. It was hard, it was hard to yeah, really get a handle on. I guess on. it's a 4-2-5 is what they end up running. Um, the defensive ends... If Marcus Hayes, which, yeah, he had like five and a half sacks last year and like led the team, but nobody's really That's speaking. Nobody's speaking that highly about him. So it seems like he's back, but you know, nobody's had. They had this guy 
Sequoia McDuffie, which tried that name on for size. Uh, he transferred. He went to UConn, which <laughs> is <laughs> just, I'll leave that out there for people to think about. Um, and a defensive tackle, they have uh, Tyree Bibby and Alonzo Ford. Those guys led the team in tackles. But again, nothing, no real high praise. I couldn't find any commentary on anybody they really are expecting to have a big, a big breakout from. Um, and Ryan Henry was the um, all-star at uh, middle linebacker who had like 75 stops last year and was really the anchor for the four, two, five. So that's, that guy is, is good and he'll be, he'll be good this year, but nothing that really is, um, you know, too, too uh, intimidating. From a defense overall perspective, the kindest thing I could find was they didn't give up a lot of big plays. They had the 16th fewest, 20 yard plus place. So talking about Grant Wells throwing the deep ball, they did lose a couple secondary guys, but this may not be the team where that deep ball is successful. I I just want to warn people about that, but I'm hoping that it is. And I would also just caveat that the team was young. So you, there is potential that these guys grew up in the off season, got a, a season under their boots, and they came out and they're they're a lot better this year. They did play relatively young, um, on purposely because they knew they had to. So um, we'll we'll see if that um, that maturity really shows up, or or if we see a lot of the same talent that um, that showed up on the field last year. One thing I did notice in my research was that Grant Wells played ODU last year. <laughs> like the the matchup actually happened, and it was one of Grant Wells's worst games. <laughs> okay. He still threw for almost 300 yards, but like he always threw for a lot of yards. He had like 46 pass attempts in the game. So QBR-wise, it was in the mid-30s. He threw two picks. It was the last game of the season that he threw multiple picks in. The rest of the year, he either threw zero or he threw one. But prior to that, he had four games where he threw two picks, including the ODU game. I would hope that a year older, better players around him, we won't see that repeat of that performance of him having his, one of his worst games against ODU. But that's something to be a little concerned about. I don't think Wolf is very good. Yeah. If, you're, if you want to talk about analysis and keys overall... Especially since he's so one-dimensional. I think that's really... We talked a lot about you know needing to see a pass rush. If we can't get in this game, I mean, yikes. Uh, I, I, I do think this can be... I know it's the first game. This can be a little bit of a litmus test, given how uh, he can't run the ball, and they are relatively one-dimensional in that regard with the quarterback, that if we aren't able to get some pass rush here, then we might be in for for some challenges to come. And the beauty of it is, if you got a guy who's immobile like he is, like I would expect to see a lot of blitz packages. Mm-hmm. Like, we we should we should really get after this kid. And especially cuz they're at home, we can't let them get momentum in this game. Take them out of the game. Start start blitzing, get some sacks, get some pressure, get some hits on the kid, make him rattled cuz he's going to come in with confidence. They're all going to come in excited. Knock him on his ass and let's let's change the matchup right away. Get some blitzes in there. I, th- I heard what you said about Jennings earlier too. Like that's someone we should double cover. Yeah. Like he's one of their best players. They don't have a whole lot. Take out Koontz. Take out Jennings. Stuff. Get Fuga in there. Let's start stuffing that run. Yeah. Bl- stuff Watson. And if you can shut down the run a little bit and tee off on the QB, 
I think we'll be all right. Like I, I really do think with our veterans on defense, our secondary as good as it is, like I'm not too worried about them throwing up a lot of points. Yep, I would. Uh, I would definitely agree with that. I as for us scoring points, we talked about the deep ball, the long plays, maybe not being there. But when you go up against a G5 team like ODU, and you have Joe Rudolph as your offensive line coach. You should push them around. Yes. Like that's we need Silas is gigantic, right? <laughs> like Johnny Jordan is like five years in college. <laughs> you know, Caden Moore is ready to break out. Parker Clements is a huge dude. Like we need to push these guys around and establish that run game so we can start running some play action and make it easy on Grant. Is there anything that you're concerned about? Like are you worried about the crowd there? Do you think you'll have a lot of hokey fans there? I think there's gonna be a I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming tickets are not cheap. Um, so, I think they're hard to get. So, yeah, usually, which means they're going to be expensive if you're getting them on StubHub or secondary market. So, I'm, I'm not, I'm a little bit worried if, to your point, we don't quiet the quiet them down pretty early and pretty quickly. Um, then, if if you kind of let them hang around and you know give them a puncher's chance in the third quarter, then you could see things get a little bit um, raucous, then that that could be a bit of an issue. It's also a 7 p.m. Friday night game, so that gives me a little bit of pause. Um, so we'll, we'll see. But I think I'm not too worried about um, the crowd unless, unless we really step on our own, uh, our own toe pretty early. Based on what happened a few years back and what I said earlier about it being the first game of the season and there being such a heavy focus on it, I don't think we're going to see the slip up that we're all afraid of. The line is eight and a half. I really want to pulverize this team. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we have that capability because of how many starters they're bringing back on offense, especially that's going to be difficult, but do I think we can win the game by 14 and stay healthy, cruise a little bit in the second half. I think that's the likely outcome. But nothing, and I mean nothing, will surprise me in this game. Yeah. I mean, the nightmare scenario, really, if you want to go there, is uh, the old Grant Wells shows up and he throws a couple picks and he's in his own head and the nightmares of some of the games last year kind of come back to rehaunt him and kind of get in his psyche. And if that is the case, we've really just got to run the dang ball. I mean, with, with Joe Rudolph and this offensive line, we just got to push holes and, and let those guys run and, and take the pressure off him. Because if, if, if he gets in his own psyche in the first game of the year on the road, playing an underdog team, on a Friday night that that's not going to be that's not going to be great so that that is the nightmare scenario for me but I'm hoping that we can lean back on the run if if that is the case and he's having an off night I shouldn't say an off night because we don't know what an on night is and and you know (laughs) as a hokey yeah the third thing I should have said that's going in our favor is that Grant Wells played this team last year and it went to overtime and he had a bad game yeah and so he's he's thinking about that too like we had a bad game in 2018. Wells had a bad game last year. It's the first game of the season. Like, there's n- nothing about ODU is sneaking up on anyone in this matchup for Virginia Tech. Like, we are all prepared. Like, 
everyone wants to make right by this. Because the last time we went to Norfolk, it was a cluster. So, yeah, I, I think I think we're going to be fine. I think we're going to be adequately prepared. And let's get the Brent Pry era started off right, man. Like, I cannot wait to score our first touchdown. Yep. Like, let's let's take the crowd out of the game. Let's hit their QB. And let's get some football back in our lives, dude. I'm I'm stoked. Yeah, I'm pumped. Let's uh, let's get it going. Hopefully with a with a big W. All right, let's do the picks. Um, these are all mainly ACC picks because yeah, they're all ACC picks because we already did some of the bigger matchups in our last episode. Rutgers at BC, Robbie, <laughs> probably one of the worst Week One matchups in the P5. Oh. BC seven point favorites at home. You- you had to put this on there. This game. It's Northeast football, baby. Yeah, Northeast. <laughs> There'll be six recruits in the stands watching this to figure out what school they're going to. <laughs> yeah. Some kid from Southie that, you know, doesn't can't afford pads is is gonna be watching <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be watching this game. Um I have BC uh beating uh Rutgers in this game. Yeah, even yeah. though Shiano has uh been there a year now or whatever. I'm going to go with BC to cover as well. UNC at App State, scary spot for UNC. They're doing what we're doing, you know, going to that in-state rival on the road from the Sun Belt. Like, they're doing exactly what we're doing. Yeah, only they're playing a better team. This was uh, – Yeah. Uh, these. It's not a, not a good idea. No. UNC, two-and-a-half-point favorites. Slim, slim favorites within a field goal on the road in Boone. I have App State here. Outright. Yes. Oh, man. You know, I think that defense from UNC is going to be good enough to survive, but I do think it's going to be scary for about three and a half quarters. All right. I'll take UNC. Louisville at Syracuse. Louisville four-point favorites in the Carrier Dome with Sean Tucker, Schrader. Yep. Babers has got himself a new offense coordinator and and our guy from UVA. So he's got himself a hot seat he's sitting on as well. So yes, yes, very hot. And what do we always say? You don't just walk into the Carrier Dome and take <laughs> no, a W. Uh, that, no, I'm taking Syracuse. Yeah, I against a spread for sure. Yeah, I think I'm I'm going that direction as well. A lot of people are high on Louisville this year. I, I've seen that a little bit because Malik Cunningham and. Does everyone not remember like Satterfield falling out of favor like a year and a half ago uh, yeah. last year? That disaster. Like, this could be a bad year for Louisville if they don't carry your dome. I think they got FSU coming up. They're like this is a big swing couple of games for Louisville and the kind of season they're going to have all happening in September. Yeah. But I'm going to take Syracuse to cover Florida State against LSU. This one's in the Superdome, so basically a home game for LSU. LSU only three point favorites with Brian Kelly, their new coach. I'm not sure I understand this line. I don't know if I get it either. I have LSU here. You know they're going to be coached well. I mean, Brian, that's what Brian Kelly does. They still have. I know they didn't have a good season last year, but they have so much talent at LSU, and I think with his coaching, I think that they definitely take a W, especially in a, a quote unquote, you know, uh, air quotes home game. Yeah, I'm taking LSU too to cover. If if Florida State wins, like I will genuinely be shocked. Even though the line's only three, yep. Like they're not ready yet. Yeah. Like they, and they lost they lost an offensive lineman or two to to injuries in camp. Like they're 
I don't know about FSU, man. I'm, I'm taking LSU. Clemson at Georgia Tech. Obviously, this isn't going to be a close game, but I put it on here because it's an ACC conference game. Clemson 21-point favorites. <laughs> I love how you put road. a 21-point spread on our picks list, which is just like, yeah. I mean, Are they going to win the by real, 18 or 24? <laughs> like, is The real question, is GT going to score? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't. I, might, I don't. I don't, <laughs> I think, don't so. think so. Um, it, it, How many points did DT score in their last two games that they played? I, I don't. I don't know. I can look it up though. I'm sure it's zero. Zero plus it zero. A hundred to zero. Okay, so <laughs> that's not good. The Waffle House is not. On. It was. It was Notre Dame and it was Georgia. Te- Georgia, yeah. but it was forty-five nothing and fifty-five nothing. My my daughter. Because we went to, I was getting her hyped up for Star Wars. So, and we didn't get through all of them. So we watched them. Like we got through most of it, and then watched uh, episode second half of episode five and episode six coming back. But uh, it's just on my mind. Like this Death Star is uh, fully operational. The Waffle House is not fully operational. Let's just put <laughs> it, it that way. <laughs> it is not fully operational. But I, I, I was trying to think back. Dabo, Death Star versus Waffle House yeah, in this one. <laughs> Dabo, Dabo doesn't really have an issue with running up the score. Like he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't go crazy with it. But he doesn't have a problem winning by like forty five no, at, at all. all. Like he and he, I think he's come out and said that like in in the past. So I think I got to take Clemson here to to blow the doors off by like I don't know forty. Yeah, I I don't I don't know why this isn't a twenty eight point line. Like I, it should, I, I'm taking Clemson anyway. That's going to do it for the ODU preview. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, the season's upon us. I think it's going to be a good season. There's this outside chance we could win the division. You never know. Um, but now is the time for optimism. Yes. So let's all be optimistic. Let's go out. Let's crush ODU. And then let's whip BC's tail in a week. And then a couple weeks after that, the rivalry comes back to Blacksburg. We get West Virginia at home on a Thursday night. Gosh, September is going to be so much fun, I think. I think. <laughs> Let's take it one week. One week and a volume at a time. All right. Yes. Yes, indeed. So um, make sure to hit us on Twitter. It's at 2DVT. 2DVT on Instagram as well. At uh, It's 2DVT at gmail.com if you have anything you want to send us. Comments, questions, anything. And then finally, find us on Spotify, subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. And until next time, when we are hopefully celebrating a big win over ODU, go Hokies. <laughs>